0: Hello there, happy innovators. How you guys doing today, huh? How's your week going? You getting things done? Are you innovating happily? Well, I sure hope so. You should be true to form, you know? Because you are, after all, happy innovators. I'm gonna get a little sip of my coffee here. I suggest you grab a cup yourself. Maybe pop a squat, grab a cup. Have a listen, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to take a sip right now. Oh man, I love coffee. You know, for the past couple weeks or so, maybe even the past three weeks, my wife and I have been binge watching uh, old rerun episodes, you know, syndicated episodes of The X-Files, you know? A great show. I mean, I loved that show when it came out. You know, I was watching it faithfully. You know? But the show ended and enough time went by where I kind of forgot about it. You know? How good it is. But most importantly, what I forgot, okay, was just exactly how gorgeous uh, Agent Dana Scully is. You know, played by Gillian Anderson. And, uh, You know, evening time rolls around, you know, we're kind of lounging around. My wife will say, hey, you know, you want to watch some X-Files? Sure. (laughs) Sure, I'll be happy to watch Jillian Anderson, you know, run around on the TV screen, you know, with a pantsuit and a gun. Sure. (laughs) No problem here. Let's watch another one. (laughs) I mean, can't we all agree? Right? This woman was hot, you know? The show started out kind of like, I don't know. They were kind of working it out with her look and everything, but man, by the time that show ended, wow, it was like, my gosh. Every time she's on the screen, it's like, I mean, have you ever seen a face that beautiful before? It's just amazing. But what kind of sucks is, now, you know, what, 10 or 15, 20 years later after the show ended, you know, they they brought it back for like one season and it was kind of like, I don't know, nostalgia was the currency of the day and it was cool and everything. But honestly, you know, time has not worked in Jillian Anderson's favor necessarily. OK. And as far as I'm concerned, she's one of those celebrities who like made the mistake of going to the wrong plastic surgeon for her face, and sometimes, depending on what angle the camera is coming from, okay, uh, and the way the light is hitting her Botoxed face, some of the shots are kind of creepy looking, you know, she looks kind of like a, you know, an X-File herself. (laughs) I don't mean to be harsh, but I'm just trying to keep it real here. Okay, <laughs> but there is absolutely nothing wrong with going back and watching those old episodes and just man, oh my gosh, it's like she's so gorgeous. You know, it's it's really kind of sad, isn't it? When people mess their faces up uh, in order to perpetuate their career, like somehow, some way uh you know Hollywood or whatever got it into their head that you know it's not okay to age gracefully you know like they don't see the value in a Katherine Hepburn you know just aging gracefully you know so you know you look older okay maybe you play older people in movies now you know so what who cares um And I just got to say, a lot of the time, you see these celebrities that are aging and it's like, it's horrifying. That is the word that I would use. It is absolutely horrifying, at least to me, the, the appearance of some of these celebrities. I mean, you know, they got this Botox in their face their face looks like a catcher's mitt and their buddies are telling them, oh, you look great. You know, you never looked better. And it's like, oh my gosh, don't they look in the mirror and see how horrifying they look? They look like inhuman. It's crazy. I don't know. And, you know, that kind of brings me to this other topic that I wanted to talk about today Um, in regards to my last podcast that I did, where I was talking about uh, celebrities who fake their death and, you know, maybe, you know, go on to live a life in seclusion or in uh, secrecy and privacy. Okay. And uh, one of my listeners commented about it. You know, we were having a bit of a back and forth about it. And through the course of this conversation, I remembered, okay, that I had heard maybe, maybe a few months ago or something, um, the claim that, the conservative radio talk show host, Rush Limbaugh, is actually Jim Morrison from The Doors with plastic surgery done on his face, Okay, And at first, when you first hear that, you're like, get out of here, you know, like, no, no way, no way. But when you look at the pictures, you know, of Jim Morrison and Rush Limbaugh, and you compare the jawline and the nose and just the skull shape and all that stuff, you look closely at the eye sockets and everything, it's really kind of uncanny how similar they look and how it could actually be pulled off with, you know, modern-day plastic surgery or even, you know, the more primitive or the older, you know, plastic surgery techniques from back in the 60s and 70s you know it's it's uh kind of a weird thing you know I don't know but uh I did promise him that I would talk about it in this episode because I had forgotten about it with that last episode and you know what just in case this whole Jim Morrison and Rush Limbaugh thing sounds a little bit too hokey for you let me point out to you something that I wanted to talk about anyway. Okay. Okay. Back in like the eighties and the nineties. Okay. There was a comedian named Bill Hicks. Okay. And he was a very famous, like underground comic. Okay. Kind of like controversial, um, kind of like that one comedian, Lenny Bruce or Andy Kaufman, you know, these, these guys that uh, were kind of like on the edge, you know, pushing the edges of comedy at that time, back in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, let's say. Okay. Well, Bill Hicks was one of these comedians. And unfortunately, Bill Hicks supposedly died. Okay. And in the world of comedy, it was considered a real tragedy that he had died. Okay. So... Time passes, you know, time marches on, Bill Hicks has died. And then, well, I don't know, maybe in the late 90s, the early 2000s, this guy starts to emerge uh, named Alex Jones, who's a talk show radio host here in the United States. He's kind of like uh, famous for being like a conspiracy guy. Um, you know, he had built up this. Empire, like on YouTube and social media, uh, called InfoWars. You know, it was a huge operation working against the Illuminati, you know, those kinds of things uh, conspiracies and uh, theories about, you know, the elites and how they're taking over and mind control and, you know, all the things that are popular right now. In fact, a lot of them are probably popular now because of Alex Jones, right? Well, all of a sudden this character, Alex Jones, starts to emerge on the scene, okay? And his rise to fame probably, you know, reached its peak probably about a year ago. And he subsequently was shut down by like Google or, you know, he was uh, censored, his channel was, was taken down uh, because he had made some comments about the Sandy Hook shootings here in the United States being fake, you know, false flag events or whatever, a conspiracy, right? Well, the, the story is, is that his whole empire that he had built around conspiracy radio and all those things was dismantled overnight. By Google, and Alex Jones was shut down, like done. Okay. Now you can still find him. He's still talking, still doing stuff, but I guess, like, nowhere near on the scale that he was doing it, you know, just about six months ago, you know, or about a year ago. I mean, he's like supposedly done. Okay. But I gotta say, about a year before all of this happened, okay, when Alex Jones was probably just about to reach his peak this rumor started to circulate that he alex jones the guy the conspiracy radio guy was actually the comedian bill hicks the comedian who supposedly died now this is true i mean this actually happened okay um so as this question started to circulate Eventually, Alex Jones was cornered, you know, with this question. Are you Alex Jones? Are you actually Bill Hicks, this comedian who supposedly died? And from what I can tell, as it turned out, Alex Jones was forced to admit that he was, in fact, this comedian, Bill Hicks, who had supposedly died. He faked his death and He changed his face with plastic surgery and he was actually this comedian, Bill Hicks. And then, you know, about six months or maybe a little bit under a year after this, Alex Jones is done. He's gone. Okay. But it just goes to show you, okay, it proves this point, okay, that I'm probably on to something when I talk about this idea of the faking deaths and, you know, being able to disappear into obscurity and then maybe, like Alex Jones did at a later time, re-emerge under a different guise or under a different name, different identity, okay? This has actually happened, okay? And speaking of that, there's that comedian Andy Kaufman, all right? Uh, From Taxi, you know, he was a very controversial uh, comedian, I guess, uh, difficult to work with, kind of more of a performance artist rather than a comedian, Um, challenging the audience and challenging the people that he was working with. Um, There's a lot of rumors about him as well, like faking his death and that at some point in the future, he will reemerge and jokes on us, right? Like that kind of thing. So, stay tuned for that. You know, maybe that'll happen too. But it did happen, okay, with Alex Jones and Bill Hicks. Like, this did happen. It's a real thing, okay? So, it just goes to show you that there may be something to this idea of celebrities faking their deaths. It happens, right? We have proof. So, back to that. That idea of, you know, Rush Limbaugh, this conservative radio talk show host, actually being Jim Morrison from The Doors, I don't know. I'm not saying that's how it is, but you gotta ask the question, right? You gotta ask the question. And you know, one thing that I noticed about both Rush Limbaugh and Alex Jones, or Bill Hicks, whatever you want to call him, right, is that... Both of these characters are political characters. So I'm not exactly sure what that means, right? But rather than Bill Hicks re-emerging as a comedian under a different identity or Jim Morrison, uh, you know, supposedly re-emerging as a rock star under a different name. They both chose to go in the political direction. What does that mean? They both chose to go into politics and becoming a political talking head, a political commentator, right? That's what they both wound up doing. So make of that whatever you will. Not exactly sure why, but one has to ask the question, right? Um, Anyway, so, you know, while we're talking about um, Alex Jones, and rush limbaugh and politics and conspiracies and all that we kind of like are sliding into this idea of perception right public perception and uh how things are perceived it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true it's just a matter of how things are perceived right perception how do we see what is being shown to us. Right. And a great example of this, okay, is the current president of the United States, Donald Trump. Okay. Now, whether you're a fan of president Donald Trump or not, okay, no matter what your politics is, because I don't really care. Okay. Um, I'm a centrist, and I'm not a political person, okay? But unfortunately, you know, it can't be avoided right now. I mean, it's, it's something that has to be talked about, right? Um, and this idea of perception, um, what can I say, you know? I mean, just recently we saw the funeral for George Herbert Walker Bush. Okay. He passed away and they had the funeral services for him. And of course they were televised for all the world to see. And one of the things that I noticed while I was watching these proceedings, okay, at the funeral of president George Bush, um, it kind of bothered me a little bit. Okay. That. In the front row of this church where they're having the funeral services right you have all of the previous presidents of the united states that are still alive okay sitting next to each other in the front row okay so you have former president jimmy carter you have uh, hillary clinton former president bill clinton uh michelle obama Former President Barack Obama. So in walks President Trump, okay, with the First Lady on his arm, and they sit down next to the Obamas, okay, and there's been all kinds of like, you know, political discourse about this exchange, okay, that took place in the front row, the front pew of this church at this funeral service and just the interaction with the former presidents in regards to the current president, and I watched it too, and I kind of saw it, right? Um, there was kind of like a diss for President Trump, okay? Um, on the part of, you know, like, I guess, like Hillary Clinton, former President Jimmy Carter, and Bill Clinton, you know? And I gotta tell you. Even though the politics of President Trump or, okay, or the personality of Donald Trump is something that these former heads of state find disagreeable, okay, that doesn't bother me, okay? But what does bother me is that they didn't respect the office of Donald Trump, okay? Um, there are protocols to how we should address the office of the president, not the president, the person, but the office of the president. There's a certain respect and courtesy on behalf of these former heads of state to conduct themselves a certain way and to treat. The office of the president with a certain amount of respect whether or not they like the president personally or not um, honestly I was disappointed with Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and former president Jimmy Carter and his wife um, I was disappointed that they were so disrespectful to him or Disrespectful to the office. I think it matters. You know, I think it matters. And it made me look at them a little bit differently, I'll be honest. I mean, I didn't mind Obama as a president, you know? I didn't mind. I thought it was great, you know, at least for the first couple years. You know, there was some real sense of hope or something, right? But oh, well, I don't know. It's like, I hate talking about politics, you know, I do. I just do because it's so polarizing, you know, and it's like, uh, I don't know, my opinion doesn't matter, you know, it does not matter. But we're talking about perception here. You know, we're talking about how these things are perceived and my perception of these proceedings at the funeral for former president George Bush just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. You know, it kind of like speaks to the tone of what's happening right now in the United States. Like even at that level, you know, that high a level in our government, there's still this sense of animosity, you know, there is no harmony whatsoever, you know, So that's all I want to say about that. You know, I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's just—it's not that important to me, okay. But man, sitting here in the middle, you know, kind of watching uh, all these things unfold, okay. Uh, Sometimes I just am so sick of hearing about Donald Trump. Kind of like how I was sick of hearing about President Obama, you know, just, I get it, you know, change the record. It's just, ah, you know, it's too much, right? And you know, I remember, uh, when President Trump announced that he was going to be running for president, okay, my first thoughts were like, oh my gosh. This is, this is ridiculous, right? I mean, this guy's never going to get the nomination. Well, a few months pass, he gets the nomination, (laughs) okay? And the campaign really starts, okay? And the Democrats, the left, just started to attack him with all the old weapons that they've used for decades. You know, and somehow, okay, somehow, Donald Trump found a way around that, okay? Uh, He found a way around scandal and um, backbiting and, and double talk and, you know, criticism. And as far as I know, okay, he's the first and only candidate to ever manage to do this, okay? Where he would take a scandal that emerged against him, right? And somehow, you know, with some kind of maneuver, the way he would talk or whatever, the way he would deliver his response, it actually got him more votes. (laughs) You know, he figured out a way to take bad news you know, an attack on his campaign and spin it around so that it worked in his favor. Now, at some point, I would think that the left would realize, okay, that they need to just stop talking about him, you know, because every time they talk about him, even if it's negative, especially if it's negative, He will find a way to make it work in his favor. Now think about that. That's fascinating, right? Like who would have ever thought that that would be possible, you know, especially after he won the nomination as the Republican candidate for president. Okay. It was game on and he was able to just maneuver the argument, the conversation, whatever to his favor, no matter what it was, right? And it was fascinating to watch. It really was because <laughs> I wasn't even a fan of him. I, you know, when he got the nomination uh, as the Republican candidate, I swore to myself I mean, I just like, there is no way that he is going to beat Hillary Clinton in the election. There's just, there's no way, you know? But, you know, a few months into that campaign, a few months into the process, getting closer to Election Day, uh, I don't know, I started to see it turn. And by the time Election Night came around, you know, my wife asked me, who do you think is going to win? Now, you have to know, okay? uh, I did not vote for Donald Trump and I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. So I didn't vote for either. okay? But I told my wife that I really felt, okay, that Donald Trump was going to win. And the reason I felt that was because I saw and I heard like on the underground, you know, like in my own family. Okay. I mean, just the people who have almost no regard for politics whatsoever that I know, okay they cared about this election so for the first time at least in my memory in the united states there was an election happening where everybody cared what the outcome would be and i don't remember that being the case any other time in my life okay um and i just kind of felt that there was this silent majority you know that weren't talking and weren't protesting and they weren't you know showing up on television and you know doing their thing you know they weren't rearing their head they were staying low and keeping quiet and sure enough election night rolls around right and Donald Trump becomes president now i understand that there's a lot of controversy around the election itself. Okay. There are people who make the claim that the election was stolen, um, you know, secretly or whatever. Okay. Um, and I gotta say, I can't doubt that. I don't know for sure. There's no way I could know, but, um, the long and the short of it is, is that Donald Trump did eventually beat Hillary Clinton and I was stunned. I mean, even though I thought that Donald Trump would probably be able to pull it off. Okay. On election night, I just really kind of felt that there was this group of people that were pro-Trump that were just laying low, right? And they would show up at the ballot box, they'd check off his name and bam, he would be president. And that's what happened. But. Um, Now, uh, ever since Donald Trump was elected president, now there is this rabid war going on uh, in the United States, this political war. And I've been talking about it a lot, you know, simply because I can't avoid it. I can't. Um, It's everywhere. But I think, okay, if, The Democrats want to beat Donald Trump in 2020. Okay. Um, They need to stop talking about him. They just need to stop talking about him because I think that when they talk negative about him, it only fuels his success. President Donald Trump has found a way to take anything that is thrown at him and make it work to his advantage. That's what it seems like to me. And I don't know. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I'm going to say about it. And I'm probably, I don't know. I would like to say that I'm not going to talk about politics anymore. And, you know, maybe I won't. Um, I should probably cut this whole section out of this podcast because it's just so hot right now and people are so irrational about it. And so uptight and angry, and um, and I just don't want to have anything to do with it. I really don't. But damn it, you know, I, I can't, I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it completely. I can avoid it to a large degree, but I can't avoid it completely. Um, so there you go. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, And, you know, honestly, it's just really not that important to me. It's really not. There's nothing I can do about it. Nothing I say or do is ever going to change anything, right? I mean, what the hell am I? Just a jackass with a cup of coffee and a microphone, you know? (laughs) Um, I've probably gotten myself into enough trouble already because you can't talk about this stuff without, you know, raising a stink. Although, I do think that uh, that's problematic in a lot of ways, because the only way to really work around an issue, right, is to discuss it. You know, if there's a, a policy or something like that, that needs to be changed or you desire it to be changed, you have to be able to at least, at least talk about it. But lately here, In the old U.S. of A, unfortunately, we're starting to lose a little bit of that, you know, and I guess that in and of itself is a little bit worrisome, you know, this idea of censorship, you know, and uh, people's lives being destroyed because they say something because they share an idea or an opinion. Uh, It's worrisome. Actually, it's probably, you know, one of the fundamental strengths of the United States is the freedom to speak your mind, a redress of your grievances, you know, and we unfortunately are living in a time where we're starting to see the window of freedom of speech slowly, slowly closing and... I guess, you know, it's our responsibility, you know, it's our responsibility as citizens to speak up. And not only is it our responsibility to speak up, okay. But more importantly, and maybe this is the point to be made, it's more important that we are able to listen, you know, censorship is not a good thing. Okay. Especially when it comes to public discourse, right? Um, Self censorship is a different story. You know, uh, we choose what to say and what not to say. And there's a responsibility we have to the general public, right, about what we say and how we say it, okay? And I don't need any group of people to tell me what I should or should not say. I should be able to figure that out on my own, right? But we live in a time where there's the silencing of dissent and there's a real danger in that. makes me worry for the future of the United States. Um, As free thinking, critical thinking citizens, we, allow freedom of speech to dissolve at our peril. Even somebody as outrageous and silly as Alex Jones and, you know, as much as he's probably contributing to the problems more than he's contributing to the solutions, let's say he should still have the right to say the things he says as much as I may or may not disagree with him or whatever, as much as I'm offended or not offended by the things he says and does, he should have the right to say and do those things. It's more important than him. It's more important than what he says. It's about the future of the freedom of speech. Very very important and fundamental right of every citizen of this beautiful, wonderful country that I live in. Oh, I hate this. You know, I hate it. I hate being so like serious, you know, because life's too short to be that serious. So with that, I'm going to end this podcast. This is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.